my blues and gone to my tears. I've got good news to shout in your ears. The long lost dollar has come back to the fold. With silver you can turn your dreams to gold. Oh, we're in the money. We're in the money. We've got a lot of what it takes to get along. We're in the money. The sky is sunny. Oh, man, depression, you are through. You done us wrong. Oh, we never see headline about redline today. And when we see the landlord, we can look that guy right in the eye. Oh, we're in the money. Come on, my honey. Welcome to part three of Salon Divine, a Sassmouth Dames production. Once more, the cast. May Divine is played by Clara Higgins. Polly Trainer is played by Jennifer O'Mara. Cora Smith is played by Jean Sutton. Ruby Dawn is played by Olympia Kiriakue. June Winter is played by M. Sean. Mimi Stone is played by Megan McGurk. Our story continues on Friday, the 15th of September, 1933, at 5 p.m. in Salon Divine at 45th and Broadway. Did Charlie ring? Not yet. What happened after Mrs. Howard fainted? Her lawyers carried her over to the couch. Then they told me and Charlie to scram. Rich dames sure are delicate. If she was faking it, her performance was good enough for one of those little gold statues they give out in Hollywood. Let's change the subject and get your mind off it. Did you see Luella's column about Burma Adams White? I have it tacked up on the wall here by my station. Haven't had time to read the papers yet. I had to get up at ten to see Mrs. Howard's mouthpiece. An indecent hour to be out of bed. What did Luella say? Made a case for Burma. Said Burma was led astray by Tom White. That he lied and told her... He was a businessman. She only found out that he was a thief and a gunman when it was too late. He forced her to do those things. Luella said there were bruises all over Burma. She was afraid of him. Still don't look good. Tom White's pushing up daisies. They need someone to hang it on. Burma will be lucky if they don't measure her neck for a noose. Did you see the other article? The one in the Express? Burma opened her own beauty shop last year when she was only 18. Imagine. I can't imagine it. That's why I tell you girls to keep your mind on business, not the first pair of wide shoulders that comes along. You don't need to worry about me, mate. I'd rather have my own shop in two years than a wedding ring. What about you, Polly? How are things with Bennett? I'm not looking for a husband just yet, don't worry. Bennett took me to a party the other night. One of the fellows there came up and said Bennett told him I was a talented artist. He asked to see my portfolio. No kidding. What for? He's an editor for Liberty magazine. He thinks I might be good to illustrate a new Vina Del Mar story. Oh, what a terrific opportunity, Polly. Liberty magazine. Miss Del Mar writes the best stories. Oh, you were born for it, Polly. Illustrating stories for women is right up your alley. Thanks, May. Thanks, Cora. We'll see. I dropped it off with the secretary on my way to work. No, I'm glad Bennett is opening doors for you, pet. You deserve the fireworks and big breaks. Speaking of fireworks... Take a look at the pictures in the paper from that big fire last night. I took a sleeping powder last night and was out like a light. What happened? Whole buildings in rubble. Huge explosion. Eight bodies unidentified. Where? Over on 23rd Street. Late last night. Did you say 23rd Street? A coincidence, I'm sure. 
It isn't a coincidence. Wait a minute. Are you saying... I had to find a way to live with it. What am I missing? That's not what I meant, sweetie. I decided I could live with it, May, but I couldn't let them live with it. What are you two talking about? That circus party was over on 23rd Street. You remember, Polly? Same place that blew up? I think Cora is helping us connect the dots. First, I thought about poisoning. They lap up so much booze, it would have been easy. Something to make it really painful. Like when poor Ella Thomas mistook her husband's mercury salts for sleeping powder. One of my brother's books said it took her five days to die and she was in agony. Cyanide seemed like a good choice. Chokes him to death and it works quickly. But then I could not risk anyone else drinking it. One of the girls might drink some by mistake or those immigrant lads or even a maid or porter. Plus I would have to sneak in and figure out which bottles to put it in. So poison was out. My God, Cora, you started the fire? May's always saying a woman has to stay current in the news. Seems like there's a story in the paper every month about a fire that started from illuminating gas. Those old buildings that haven't got electric lights yet are tinderboxes. Oh, Cora. I was real careful, May. Before I left last week, I heard the men talking about the next party, how it would be on a Thursday. I went over there last night and stood in the doorway across the street and watched them go in. I waited until the girls and lads working the party left. It was quiet on the street, so I climbed the fire escape at three in the morning. I hid in the powder room. When I heard the maiden porter leave, I snuck into the hall outside the door and blew out the pilot light on the big gas lamp. I could hear the gas hissing. Then I legged it back down the fire escape. The alley was pitch dark. I crossed the street to watch to make sure no one else went in or out and to see the show. How long did you wait? Not long. I knew they would be smoking fat cigars, playing cards and drinking beer as soon as one of them opened the door to go to the toilet. What if they opened the door when you were still in there and caught you? You've often said that every man alive thinks he's smarter than any woman. If they found me, I would have sassed them. Hey, big boy, where's the party? Stick out my chest and bat my eyelashes. I can't believe it. Believe it. It was so dark and quiet and then kaboom. The windows blew out. It was louder than 100 cymbals striking a Radio City music hall. An orange glow filled the sky and it made me feel warm and safe. Like a part of me was dancing in the flames. Holy mother of God, Cora. Are you okay? I feel great, me. Never better. Are you sure? The sun is shining. Are you sure no one saw you? Positive. And I wore my hair in braids and shabby clothes. If anyone saw me, they'd just think I was a lost girl. You don't let what those animals did to you make you turn hard, Cora. The future's bright, mate. This city owes me a living, a good living, and it's going to get back for me as little as I want to give. No man is ever going to put a hand on me again. I hope you're right. What about the cops? What about them? The pilot life went out, happens all the time. And a bunch of dead gangsters? The boys in blue are probably celebrating. If they think it's fishy, they won't come looking for a teenage hairdresser. Even with Burma in the headlines. Zip it. Here come the showgirls. Dum, dum, da, dum. Dum, dum, da, dum. Hi, you gals. What's the excitement, June? May, you are looking at a bona fide married lady. Wedding bells. Good for you, June. Congratulations. Congratulations, June. Congratulations, June. Oh, I'm bursting. I can hardly believe the whirlwind. My head is spinning. Who's the lucky man? My rafter romance fella. I thought he hit the rails. 
No, he left a note that blew off the table and landed under the bed. I didn't see it, and then I moved to Ruby's. When he didn't hear from me, he went to the landlady. I gave her my forwarding address. Why'd he take a powder? He didn't think it was right anymore. Share in a bed. He decided he wanted to propose, but it had to be honorable. He had to move out first. Hiya, dames. What did I miss? June's talking about her fella. Oh, you mean when Prince Charming finally declared himself? Right under the wire. I think it's romantic. Oh, thanks, Polly. He sure threw me for a loop. I was leaving work the other night and there he was at the stage door. I stopped dead in my tracks. I must have looked like a fresh catch, my mouth hanging open like the hook was still in it. What did he say? How lonesome he'd been without me. How he missed the smell of my hair on the pillow. How he loved me and wanted me to be his wife. Ain't he sweet? Yeah, I got a toothache. No, don't be sour, Ruby. Let June have a moment. I'm telling you girls, I barely finished wiping off the cold cream. He said he loved the homey way I kept the place, the little curtains I made, how I kept the place neat as a pen, how I folded his trousers so the crease stayed in. He makes you sound like a maid. Pipe down, Ruby. He could tell I had a lot of love to give. What did he say about you working for Minsky's? He said he didn't care. He knew I was a good girl. The landlady told him so, too. He said things were bad all around, and he knew it was tough for a girl on her own to make a living. Aha, uh -huh, a diplomat. May, he said what God made is natural and it ain't no sin. Yeah, like I said, a diplomat. What's this fellow's name? Bart Lewin. It used to be Lewandowski, but his parents shortened it at Ellis Island. It's my name now, Mrs. June Lewin. What line of work is he in? He's an engineer. He designs for clothing manufacturers. See if he can get us a discount. Well, he doesn't make the clothes, Ruby. He makes the machines that process materials. You know, the things that spin silk and wool onto bolts of fabric. Still, I know guys on 7th Avenue who could use good fabric. I'd ask him, but I don't think I'm going to be back in the salon. Oh, greener pastures? Hallelujah. Bart got a promotion. We're getting a house up near the plant in Albany. I told him I had to finish the week with Minsky's until they got a replacement. This is officially my last night as a Burley Q dame. Oh, you'll be grand, June. I'll miss all you girls, especially you, May. So, what happened with Miss Howard, if you don't mind me asking? Did you notice Mrs. Howard's ears when she was here last week? I couldn't get past the larnet. Or the triple strand of pearls she wore, as big as marbles. I knew a dame years ago who had ears like that. Never saw them on anyone else. No earlobes, pointed at the top. It got me thinking. About what? How she can't wear earrings? About my security. Look it, when I came here, I was 14 years old. I'll be 30 in two months. I've been in America more than half my life. My uncle came over first and settled in Philadelphia. He opened a big grocery shop. He's the one who paid for my ticket. He had it all worked out. I was going to work in the shop and take care of his American bride and their kitties on the side. I know he had no intention of paying me a dime. He was going to work me like a donkey, so I never went to Philly. I sent him a postcard. Thanks for the boat ride, dumb mug. How did he live? I worked the rackets. Started off in a creep house down on 14th Street. What's a creep house? A joint set up to trim men. I worked the panels. Panels? A little hustler brings in a John. Usually he stood and carrying a roll of cash. Each room was rigged so there was only one place for him to hang his clothes. At the end of the bed, say, or on the back of the bathroom door. They put trick panels in the door, the wall. 
And you emptied his pockets? Sure. Salesmen, sailors, husbands out for a bender, and endless numbers of pigeons carrying pocketbooks stuffed with dough ripe for picking. What happened? I got caught one night and I lost my nerve. A girl I was working with used knockout drops but misjudged the dose. We thought he was dead. He had $2,000 on him. We took the dough and legged it. It turns out he woke up. The madam dumped a bucket of ice water on him. Later, he found Daisy, the girl I was working with. He threw acid in her face so she couldn't rob men anymore. Disfigured for life. He never saw me, and I was lucky. But I got scared. That poor girl. Horrible. Gives me the shakes just thinking about it. Yeah, I was too afraid to keep going with the gang. By that time, I was 15. I had been eating good. I grew up, up and out. Then I watched some of those showgirls come out of the stage door one night, and I thought, why not? I could do that. Then you went into the Follies? Not right away. I was too green. First, I worked in the Capitol Theater doing numbers between the pictures right before the newsreels and the shorts. We did eight shows a day, and my feet bled. They were so sore, I used to tie laces real tight to make my feet numb. I've been there. Me too, May. Now, after the Capitol, I went to work dancing for Earl Carroll's show. I didn't even know you were in burlesque. I hear it was big money then. Is it true what they say about him? What part? About the audition. Earl Carroll makes you open your blouse. And cops a feel, too. He makes it sound legit. I've been fooled before. What a pig. After that, I got into the Follies rooftop review. Legendary stage door Johnny is always with presents, hence my fur collection. I like the night hours, and I still do. But it's too much work, and backstage, well, competition puts girls on edge. That's why we have the rule. What rule? In burlesque, the rule says you're not allowed to watch another stripteaser's act. I knew a girl who lost her nose after she stood in the wings for an act. How'd she lose her nose? Another dame cut it off. Our acts are easy to steal, Cora. Your act is all you have. Everyone needs a gimmick, and you don't rob another act. I knew dames who were beaten, scalped, and the poor unfortunate who lost her schnoz. Which brings me back to Mrs. Howard. I don't follow. You will. After I had been with the Follies for a while, there was one night we were rehearsing a new show during the day and doing the old one at night. Glamorous? It was hard work. Damn hard. But I was 16 years old and strong as a horse. I ate well and I slept like a baby as soon as the lights went out. Anyway, the star of the old and new show had been around for a while. Who was she, May? Gladys Miller. What a sweetheart. She used Priscilla as a stage name. All the girls loved her. She was getting up there in years, which for the Follies means a little older than I am now, painful as it is to say. Anyway, Priscilla was having a hard time. Her man ran off with some teenager, and he took everything, even the change jar in the kitchen. Imagine the level of pettiness. Now, Priscilla always liked to drink. On her own, feeling blue, she dipped into her cups. Oh, poor girl. Many a showgirl slides into a bottle when her tits start to fall. Are you listening, Ruby? It was more than that. She had a broken heart. And he cleaned her out. Left her flat broke. That's right, girls. One day, in between rehearsal and the evening show, Priscilla went out for dinner with another member of the cast. She was a dame by the name of Belle Charmant. <laughs> Get a load of her. Belle Charmant. <laughs> Fancy, huh? 
Now, she was fancy, all right. Fake French accent, the works. Belle took Priscilla out to this little bistro. She orders wine, gives her some spiel about it being a birthday and how she's known to celebrate with. Won't Priscilla make a toast with her on this special day? So the star, she's exhausted. Probably hasn't eaten all day just to keep her figure. She starts drinking the wine and it goes down a treat. And then Belle has the bartender send over martinis. I get you. She pulled a fast one, didn't she, May? Polly, you know me well. One thing I can't stomach is a dame who turns against her own. Now, on the level, she was three sheets to the wind before curtain. Paint was curling off the walls in a dressing room from the gin fumes. Oh, jeez, what a dirty trick. Now, you can guess what happened next. Little Belle ratted to the stage manager and kindly offered to take Priscilla's place. Belle wasn't drunk, too? Nope, she only pretended to drink, dumped her glass into the potted flowers on the table. She was sober as a judge. Was that the end of Priscilla? Managers look for any reason to get rid of a dame. Now, one week later, Priscilla took a razor to her throat in the bath. Oh, dear God. They didn't find her for a week. I knew you were going to say something like that. Poor Priscilla. Desperate. That ain't the end of the story. Now, Belle Charmant had a parade of men visit in a dressing room after the show. And before the show, too. You had to have ice to get in. Diamonds? Well, I don't mean the kind for a highball. Now, I'm all for a woman getting a do, but Belle was so vicious about it. Besides that, she had made snide remarks about Priscilla backstage. When we learned about the suicide, Belle made a crack like, Good riddance to old rubbish. That did not sit right with the other girls in the Follies. They waited. They got her, didn't they? Was it Shakespearean? No, more like one of those old Greek plays they stage in the park. Spill it. One night, we got word that Jesse Lasky, famous movie mogul, was going to be in the audience. He was looking for talent, and Belle went bananas. She was screaming at two maids, had a hairdresser brought in. She shouted herself blue over the lighting, you name it. The older girls who had been with the show longer than me decided that Belle was never going to get the chance. The girls told the maids to beat it. They held Belle down, cut most of her ears off, tore her hair out. They were going for her nose when the stage director walked in. Now, Belle got lucky. She was a bloody mess and hysterical. That was the end of her days with the Follies. So grim, May. I hate to hear stories like that. She had it coming. Are you saying that old bag, Mrs. Howard? The one and only Belle Charmant. Oh, my God. God! All those years with Morty? You didn't know? Never. How could I? I never met the woman socially, not when a husband pays to keep you in a penthouse. Small world. Everything comes around again. So Marty never knew she was Belle Charmant. Now who wants to talk about a wife in bed? Not me. So you put two and two together from her ears. Morty gave me the shop for security, so I'd never have to marry just to keep a roof over my head. Dames always need their hair done, I make a nice living for me and Dot, and no dame is going to take it away. Certainly not Belle Charmant. So you told her you knew who she was? Now that was only part of it, Ruby. Dot helped me with the rest. There's more? Hold on to your garters. Now, I have a very nice trunk at home. Morty gave it to me, and it's filled with my little mementos. In the trunk, I have a stack of playbills from my time on the stage. I have one with Mrs. Howard's face on it. But I didn't think that would get her foot off my neck. 
These days, every society dame wants to act like she could have been a star. Why do you think they come to my shop? They want to look like the stars in the stage and the screen. It's true. I have grannies coming in asking for the Marcel wave like Barbara Stanwyck's and Babyface. Yeah, and they want to have Jean Harlow's platinum hair. Go on, May. What's the angle? Doc said the playbill wasn't enough. We needed something current. <laughs> well, no one's going to invite Mrs. Howard on the stage. Not the stage, June. Another type of scene. Me and Dot got to thinking. I emptied my trunk and filled it with old blankets. Like I said, it's a nice trunk. I sent it over to Mrs. Howard. Why'd you give her a nice trunk? I don't follow. I had Clancy take it over. <laughs> <laughs> Seems there's no key to this here trunk that belonged to your dear departed husband, Mrs. It was found in storage in his office building. I don't know what important papers might be inside. It sure is hot today. A hard-working man needs a bit of refreshment. Would you look at that? I've gone and made a mess of me shirt. I'll just slip it off, so. You James are wicked and I love it. Love it. Clancy strikes again. I'm almost tempted to give him a go for the sake of it. Clancy gets results. See, I figured that Mrs. Howard was badly in need of a tumble. Clancy's big arms are persuasive, musical even. So how does that fix her? Dot was dressed as a shawl woman. She was across the street doing windows. She borrowed a camera and snapped enough photos to sort Mrs. Howard. What happened? Now, she wanted the deed or the rent today. I gave this big envelope. It had the playbill and six eight-by-ten glossies of Clancy tend in her hedgerow, if you catch my drift. <laughs> now, after she opened the envelope, she passed out cold. I'm waiting to hear from Charlie, but I'm not safe yet, girls. Anyone care to hear my news? You should be a press agent, Ruby. I'll have my own soon enough. I got a big screen test. Oh, good for you, Ruby. The studio's better watch out. Which studio? Columbia. I got a scene to prepare. What's the scene? It's from a Carol Lombard picture. Did you see her in Virtue? It came out last year. She did it with Pat O'Brien. Sure we saw it. I cried when Pat smacked Carol's face. Well, that's what they'll use for the test. If they like it, I get a seven-year contract. California, here I come. Hiya, girls. Where have you been, Mimi? We were worried. I quit the show in Radio City Music Hall. What happened? You okay? Sure. I landed a good part in a new show. I've been in rehearsal nonstop. I can barely catch a breath. Some days we go from 10 to 10 with only a dinner break. What's the show? At first, I was disappointed. It's not a drama. It's a comedy. I never really figured myself for comedy, but they seem to think I have a knack for it. And no more chorus line. What's the title? It Pays to Sin. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just sold five tickets, Mimi. Oh, my nerves. Quiet, girls. Salon Divine, May speaking. What's the news, Charlie? Really? And then what? Oh, you're a sweetheart, Charlie. Thanks for ringing. In the clear? All clear, girls. Mrs. Howard has decided not to acquire any more property or pursue any legal entanglements. Good. Old bag. Oh, I could use some coffee. I'll go, May. 
Certainly you just want an excuse to wear your new coat. Just my luck, it's turned cold. You can bury me in this coat. Cora, you look like a star. Cora, that's the prettiest Persian lamb I ever saw. You look like you're going places, Cora. I am going places. The End Salon Divine was written and directed by Megan McGurk, starring Clara Higgins as Mae Divine, Jennifer O'Mara as Polly Trainer, Jean Sutton as Cora Smith, Olympia Kiriakue as Ruby Dawn, M. Sean as June Winter, and yours truly as Mimi Stone. Art design by Clara Higgins. Sound editing and effects by Dan McCauley. Thanks for listening. Join us for another adventure in January 2022. And if you enjoy the program, why not do us a solid and leave a nice review on iTunes or comment on social media. Thanks for listening.